Attention, please. Eastern Airlines Flight 19, now ready for departure. Welcome aboard the Walt Disney World Express Monorail. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're entering the vacation kingdom of the world. There's enough land here to hold all of the ideas and plans we could possibly imagine. We call it Epcot. Will be our experimental prototype city of tomorrow. Welcome to another episode of the Retro Disney World Podcast. Taking you back to the vacation kingdom of the world. The way it was and the way it is in your memories. All right, welcome to another edition of the Retro Disney World Podcast. This is episode 37.5, entitled Working with the Waves. So a few months back, we had the privilege of talking to Bill Tyson, Pat O'Neill, and Chuck Breibart. Uh, And this was all about their time at Walt Disney World, um, and more specifically around the Polynesian Resort, the Wave Machine, and uh, their participation in the Mike Douglas Show uh, back in February of 1976. So uh, we recorded this uh, probably about a month or two ago. And so this was recorded as a conference call, so the audio isn't that great. Uh, but we've done what we can to uh, bring this to you, and I think you're going to find their stories quite enjoyable. All right, well, we've got a large conference call going on uh, this month. Uh, not only uh, how JT and Brian and myself, but uh, we also have dialed in here is Bill Tyson. Hello, Bill. Hello. And uh, Pat O'Neill. I'm there. And Chuck Breibert. How are you doing tonight, everybody? Yeah. Doing very well. Excellent. So we got all you guys together because it's our understanding you've got some information on the infamous wave machine. Uh, We've talked about this machine over a number of years. You guys actually surfing it. We've been trying to dig out episodes of the Mike Douglas show, and I understand that some of you uh, had something to do with that as well. Um, Before we go too far with the Mike Douglas show, I will say that... uh, Brian and I were trying to retrieve copies of it so we could surprise you with maybe even see yourself on TV from 40-some years later. Uh, but uh, sad enough, well, Brian, what did, how much did they want per episode for licensing? And it wasn't, uh, it wasn't even ten, public ten, consumption. $10,000 per 30-second clip. And uh, <laughs> if, if we weren't well, and we weren't allowed to sell that uh, or, or display it, uh, we would have just been able to use it in uh, a program we were putting on. Uh, but they said uh, with those those levels, it wasn't even worth They didn't even have the staff to look and see if they still had those programs because they, apparently CBS laid off like 80% of its archival staff the week before Christmas. So, Wow. And they're, uh, what were they on? They're on two-inch tape too, right? Reel-to-reel they, two-inch tape. They are on two-inch reels, yeah. Which wow. uh, So they're like the... Like in the background of old 1960s sci-fi things, when they had those giant magnetic wheels. That's right. That's only <laughs> that's Chuck is the thing. That's the stuff. I mean, if, if you work at CBS or you know anybody, please contact us with a hookup. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. We've got to we got to find out. And uh, if you if you're at any uh, garage sales and you see some VHS or Betamax tapes, this is Mike Douglas show. Please just buy them. We'll we'll, we'll check them out later. <laughs> so. Um, so I know Hal and I have a lot of questions. We've been having a, a, the Polynesian episode here. We've, we're going to go back. So, um, you know, Bill, Pat, Chuck, um, let's go over each each of you, some of your experiences down there and, and what landed you, um, you know, in the resort and, and what your general job function that was there. So, Bill, uh, Okay. This is Bill. You want me to start? Yeah, please. Oh, okay. Um, I was in the uh, civil engineering department at Walt Disney World, and – I got assigned, actually, I never surfed the machine or I didn't see it operate to begin with. I only got the history of how it uh, ran for a while and then had to be shut down. Uh, But I was assigned uh, to do an investigation of the machine and see if we could rehab it, get it put back together, and uh, get it working again. Uh, So myself and another gentleman named Frank Kynas uh, began investigating the machine and the the old drawings and what happened and the design and everything. And we enlisted the help of Tim Kelly to try and understand uh, how the machine worked and how it made the waves. And actually, Frank and I 
did some surveys uh, on different Florida beaches to understand how waves get produced and, and how the waves at the lagoon were produced. So we did this study and we worked on it probably for, uh, I would say around eight months. And at the end of the study, we did a concept uh, for refurbishment of the machine uh, to create a cove to reinforce the shoal and to get the whole thing working again. Uh, I believe if I recall correctly, the cost was gonna be somewhere around three and a half million dollars and I believe at the time also that uh, Dick Nunes said, nah, we're not gonna spend that kind of money on this. <laughs> now so what year died. was that? Yeah, what month? Um, I'm trying to remember, it was uh, 19, it was either 74 or 75. Now do you know like from 74 to 75, how long was it dormant in that period? Like from 71 oh, it, you saw it or what? No, I never saw it operate to begin with, but my understanding was that uh, it ran for just hours and then they had to shut it down. Oh, wow. And I believe they also, you know, they turned it on once in a while just to see if they could get it going again. But one of the problems that it had is that uh, it actually, the workings of the machine, the way it worked, uh, the foundations of the machine were not adequate. And it actually kind of destroyed its own foundations. It was like self-destructive. <laughs> yeah. Now, Bill, did, did that one work on the same principle as Typhoon Lagoon, where uh, they would fill the water tanks up, and then that water would be let go, dropping down to the bottom, gravity pulling it down and coming out on no. the bottom? No. No. No, and actually, actually I got assigned as the project engineer for Typhoon Lagoon. <laughs> mm -hmm. so, so I was on that project, and uh, we actually avoided the concept that was in the uh, at the Polynesian. Okay. The one at the Polynesian, the one at the Polynesian was basically a uh, a large flap, if you will, that that flapped back and forth, and it created a series of three waves. That when the three waves got to the shoal next to the shoreline or near the shoreline, they would sum and create one large wave. Curious, did the, now, I mean, this is kind of unrelated, but did, when you were like doing the Typhoon Lagoon thing, did the Polynesian ever come up with somebody like, yeah, don't screw this one up like the Polynesian one was? <laughs> uh, actually, the uh, the head of WDI project management said, you know, don't, don't repeat this, but we don't want to repeat Dick's wave machine at the uh, at the Polynesian. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, interestingly enough, uh, I after Typhoon Lagoon was open, we had a a, a party, and uh, Dick attended the party, which was kind of nice. And uh, I met I've met Dick several times before, but uh, at this party, I was introduced to him as the as the person leading the team that finally got a wave machine that worked. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so I, I became very small at that time, and I kind of cringed a little bit. And uh, But he was okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, what what from the old design really caused the, the those foundations to, to crack? Was it the weight of that water sloshing back and forth with that paddle or... Yeah, it was the force is the force is generated by that flap or that paddle, if you will, uh, moving back and forth, uh, just transmitted right down to the foundation, and it was just too much. The other problem it has is that the wet, the flap went back and forth, and of course, uh, when it went back, it pushed the water onto the shoreline and eroded the shoreline on the little island there. Not just not just the cove where people were going to surf too, but the actual island that was being eroded itself. Yeah, it was being eroded, and there were uh, one of the first fixes was to uh, reinforce that whole shoreline with gabions. Uh, gabions are mesh cages filled with rock, so they did that, and that prevented that. But then the other thing that happened is the uh, when the shoal near the shoreline was built, uh, there was a very finely graded imported sand uh, covering the shoal. And I think the machine ran for about three hours and washed all of that sand off of the shoal into the, into the lagoon. 
the, the pictures we've seen of the machine too, there's a, there's a bar going across the top and a lot of uh, uh, pipes and, and I see some red marking lights. What is, what is the visible portion that we were seeing there of the of the machine? Was that the, was the flap underwater, or was that actually the, the top of the flap that we were? Yeah, you could see the top of the flap, and then uh, uh, I don't know if you could see the pipe. The the, the uh, trying to remember what the I believe the flaps were actuated with hydraulics. Okay. Yeah, or there's a big. I'm looking at a, a picture of it now. There's a big, large pipe running with these different stanchions underneath it, and then there seems to be a gantry or catwalk of sorts in front of it. Um, that's, that's really interesting. So were you involved in any of the dismantling, or do you know how much was actually left and dismantled? I mean, people say, oh, look, there it is, but it's those rock walls that are kind of still left there today. No, I never got involved in dismantling it. Once we uh, um, presented the concept and the cost, uh, and then it was, you know, it was... Uh, decided not to do it, then I had, didn't have any involvement with it. Right, right. So the interesting thing that we learned, and how we want to give a little background on what we learned at um, the D23 this past year, that how old ideas never never go away, uh, and how obviously now we have a, a direct link from somebody who worked on a possible wave machine enhancement over to Typhoon Lagoon, which mirrors some of the paper or some of the drawings and stuff that we saw that made its way to Typhoon Lagoon. Yeah, so we saw, they presented pretty briefly on screen a plan that someone had to actually separate that section of water um, out from the rest of the Seven Seas Lagoon. Basically, um, they said the problem was that exactly what you described, so that shoal was getting washed away. So rather than rely on just the bottom of the lagoon, they're basically going to drain it out and um, put gunite in the the distance between the wave machine and the sand and the beach in order to basically turn it into like a big swimming pool. Um, so that way they could build, you know, an underwater cement reef uh, to get the waves to break that they wanted to and not have it get washed away anymore. And that I wonder if that was part of the plan that you worked on. And then when they saw what the total cost was going to be, yeah, I think they were considering actually trying to maybe spin it into a separate park, and then eventually that's what led to the idea of like, okay, well, if we're going to do this, we have to make it a completely separate park with separate gate admission, and that's where Typhoon Lagoon kind of got born from. Yeah, and actually, I drew that drawing. <laughs> so, oh, really? And the idea, <laughs> yeah, the the idea was to um, create a cove that would separate the uh, Seven Seas Lagoon from the wave lagoon. So what we proposed was uh, driving sheet piles in and then putting a rockwork uh, decorative item on top of the sheet piles. All right, fantastic. You just closed the gap for us. So, this is so great. Thank you. That's really cool. So you you must love Typhoon Lagoon then. Is that kind of your, your park, huh? Yeah, Typhoon was really fun. It's... Uh, uh, we had we had quite we got the actually orders from Eisner to uh, produce a six and a half foot wave, and we started out with a vendor that was in New York. He was in Albany, New York, and uh, he didn't last too long. He was having financial difficulties, so we lost that vendor. We found another vendor in uh, called Whitewater West, and they were out of uh, Canada. And their parent, their parent company was in Edinburgh, Scotland, or excuse me, Glasgow, Scotland. So we did our uh, wave testing and research at Edinburgh University. And uh, accompanying me, I had Ben Schwegler, who's the, uh, I think he's still in, at the R&D in WDI. So we did our wave testing at the Wave Research Laboratory in Edinburgh University, and then the machine was actually produced in Glasgow, Scotland. Wow, that's quite a distance to cart that thing back over. <laughs> yeah, and we you know how the Scots was, are with their surfing. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of interesting. The uh, One of the things that happened after we uh, started uh, doing the test and adjust on the machine, uh, actually I was out on the lagoon and Frank Wells came by, and he asked me if he would be able to go into the top where the water is loaded up about 18 feet high, and then would he be able to drop into the pool through the gates? <laughs> 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 oh, my gosh. I told him, 
I told him, I said, well, yeah, you could probably do that, but you're likely to come out hamburgers. So. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. oh. Well, you've you've created a, a not only an incredible park over there, but the 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 whoosh sound that gets the crowd screaming every couple minutes is is awesome. For yeah. That. So, and I I will say my my family and I we, we love the water parks. We've been to Blizzard Beach once. I can't count how many times we've been to Typhoon. So, uh, job well done. And uh, were you there per- perhaps when the when the Mickey Mouse Club remember this guy uh, recorded their special music video on the opening? Special? Do you remember that, guys? Does anybody remember that? Not uh, Typhoon Lagoon? Yeah, Dead Silence, I think, maybe on that one. Okay. <laughs> no, no I, I do remember I was there for a an event where they had uh, uh, quite a number of <clears> – <throat> they had Frida Zamba and uh, quite a number of well-known surfers there and all the surfing magazines, and they were all interviewing them, and we were running the machine for them. Another little story with Dick. Um uh, during the uh, press events, we had press events for Typhoon Lagoon and Pleasure Island, uh, during, and also, this, I believe, the studio, well, maybe it wasn't a studio, but anyway, um, the uh, press event for Typhoon Lagoon, what we were supposed to do is um, Dick was going to be going into the pool and going where the wave comes out, and then he was he was on a raft, and we were supposed to crank out a wave, and then Dick was going to uh, uh, surf on the raft to the end of the pool and then come up and be interviewed. So we didn't have the machine uh, quite automated yet on the computer, so there was some manual stuff that had to be done on the computer to to get it going. And I had a guy back in the machine room uh, on the radio, and I was going to give him the cue, and he needed 15 seconds to get the machine uh, to crank out a wave. So I had a specific word I was going to listen for uh, Eisner speaking, and then when I heard that word, I would call back to the guy in the machine room. He would crank it up. Fifteen seconds later, a wave would come out, and Dick would surf in. So what happened, I got the cue. I called the guy in the machine room, and 15 seconds goes by, and nothing happens. 20 seconds goes by, nothing happens. So what happened, nothing happened at all. Dick got uh, impatient, he went ahead and paddled into the end of the pool, and just as he got out of the water at the end of the pool, the wave came out. <laughs> he just paddled his way. <clears throat> I was going to say, Bill, I really appreciate because this is really, you know, tied together a lot of loose ends. Uh, this is Chuck, and and uh, I started. Uh, at the Polynesian in June of 74. And uh, we were talking about the uh, experiences at the Polynesian. Uh, on the uh, on the beach where the waves broke, the recreation department at the Polynesian, which I was hired as a lifeguard in, in, in the recreation department, but that meant everything from uh, renting the little boats to lifeguarding the beach, to lifeguarding the pools, and sailing and driving the ski boat, whatever. But we also had, in the summertime, a children's program called Pirate's Point. And Pirate's Point was the beach part where the waves broke from the wave machines. And uh, we would take children 5 years old to 12 years old on pontoon boats out in the lake, circle them around, and bring them to that part of beach that was just around from the old luau hut and, uh, or the luau stage. And we would do campfires and uh, campfire stories and things like that. Take the kids out for about an hour and a half and then bring them back. And it was a, a kind of a babysitting service for uh, parents could go out to dinner or something for a couple hours, and we would take their kids on this little adventure. But uh, at nighttime, after we had – it was an evening campfire program, usually around dusk. And uh, when we would finish, we had to clean up the pontoon boats, and then we would go out into the lake and, and watch the fireworks shot over our heads. You know, they would shoot them straight up from uh, from the <laughs> island in, in the Seven Seas Lagoon, and we would be out there on pontoon boats watching them go right up. You know, it was uh, it was uh, up close and personal. It was a lot of fun. So hey, were you, Bill, do you recall the eastern winds while you were there? Uh, it was the Chinese junk that was 
sometimes docked yeah. at the Polynesian, but then they would also take it out for uh, rides sometimes. Right, and uh, and they mostly kept it in uh, uh, over towards they had a, you know had a dry dock over on Bay Lake, and they would keep it. They had several boats anchored, you know, off uh, off stage back over that way. But yeah, that that Chinese junk was there at, at the earliest part when I was there. Okay. Bill, I have two questions for you. I'm sorry I didn't get them in. Um, what happened after your project got denied on the reef, refurb of the wave machine? Did you, like, move on to something else, or were you still in that area, or what did you do? Oh, no, I was I was still in the civil engineering department. And uh, actually, I'm trying to remember the date because I did work on the project that put the fireworks launch area behind the castle. Oh. And I think that was in uh, 70... Seven, seventy-six or seventy-seven. Uh, but anyway, at, uh, I stayed in the civil engineering department of Walt Disney World, and then um, I was assigned as the project engineer for the Germany and Italy pavilions on Epcot. So I worked on those, worked on those two pavilions. Uh, oh, oh boy, you just opened on... up a can of worms on yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Was this another canceled project with the uh, various rides that didn't end up getting built? Yeah, they, the Germany Pavilion, they didn't, uh, you know, they built the building for the ride, but they never did the ride. Uh, they did the beer garden, of course, and all the shops and, and uh, the Italy Pavilion. There was a plan for a ride, but that they didn't even build the building for that. So that basically just was uh, shops and a restaurant. We've seen concept art. For the Rhine River cruise, do you know if they finished the entire concept of the ride to the point where you actually saw a drawing for the what the ride would have been consisted of? Yeah, they had they had some concept drawings of the ride itself, and uh, it, that's as far as it went. They were you know renderings and and artwork basically. Got it. So you never had to engineer anything. You you didn't do any engineering work for that particular attraction. No, no. Okay, we always we always wonder how far things got before they somebody pulled the plug. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's been one of those levels of fascination for a long time. Now, Bill, what happened? Did you did they is that like after they said no on the wave machine? Is that when they like ripped it all out, or did it sit for a while? Do you know? I, it sat for quite a while, I think. And I'm trying to rem- I don't remember the exact date that they pulled it out, but I don't think it was that long ago. Oh, okay, very cool. And Bill, you you also mentioned something that was there was a going to be a ride in Italy as well. Do you mean? Well, pretty much all the showcase pavilions were going to have some sort of either theater or ride or uh, you know something like that. Like when you go to the France pavilion, there's a very nice uh, film there, and of course when you go to the Mexican pavilion, there's a ride there. But uh, Italy uh, that never even got to uh, concept art phase, but there was talk of a ride, there was talk of a film, there was talk of a lot of different things going on there. Okay, cool. All right. So, Pat, are you on? <laughs> I'm still here. I'm learning. All right. So, yeah, we're all learning a little bit. This is, this is great. So, Pat, why don't you tell us a little bit what, what you did over there and uh, a little bit about your, your history. Well, I started a couple months after Chuck, the way it sounds. I didn't know when he started. I believe I started end of August or September of 74, I was there till March 1, 76, so I just was there when they did the Mike Douglas show. I was leaving. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was also a lifeguard. We worked recreation. We rented boats, provided lifeguards on two portions of the Seven Seas Lagoon. We'd take people water skiing, and uh, i got to tell you, it was a great life. Uh, <laughs> I learned how to sail Hobie Cats. I sailed against Hobie Alter. Uh, I learned how to sail sunfish. I sailed in the uh, uh, Southeast Regional Championships. I did poorly in both, but I had a great time. Uh, I remember the beginning of February 76, uh, somebody from our uh, management supervision came in and said, do any all know how to surf? And we kind of chuckled because that's what we did. If we weren't there, we were at the beach. Yeah, we can surf. Do you want to surf on TV? Well, yeah, that sounds pretty cool, too. So... Ended up, it was the Mike Douglas show. It was February. It was cold. Uh, we did, I'd never seen the wave machine work. They told me what it was. I got to tell you, it didn't look like a wave machine that I had in my head. 
But I guess it works because we're able to surf some waves in. Uh, who knows what a wave machine looks like? I grew up on the beach, and uh, we didn't need a machine. But uh, we used Disney's boards, and uh, we went out there one cold February day and surfed back and forth just a couple times. I remember Mike Douglas, it was so cold that he drove down to the beach in a limo and got out and did that part of the show and got back in the limo. <laughs> Or die. I'm freezing. I'm a native Floridian. It was cold. Uh, <laughs> but he was there for the week. Uh, they did that portion. We did a section back at the docks where I believe he interviewed, on one day he interviewed uh, Robert Conrad and Anita Bryant. Yeah, and they yeah, she, Robert she Conrad. Co-hosted. I think Chuck was involved in that. Yeah, Chuck, were you one of the two guys that had to roll him right side up? Uh, no, but I was uh, standing on the dock. I was uh, lead on on duty at that time, and it was Tom Smith was one, and I don't remember the other. Yeah, they put Robert Conrad in a kayak, and they were you know kind of they had a Olympic kayaker there, I believe, and they were showing him how to you know to turn a kayak right side up. He didn't do well. <laughs> well he didn't do well. The lifeguards had, they were standing on trash cans upside down in the lagoon. They had to roll him right side up. Uh, he was huh. unhappy with that. He thought we held him under. No, you're just not good at that. Uh, <laughs> but I can tell you it was a pretty cool week. I'd never been on TV before, and I'm still not sure I've been on TV because there was no recording that I've ever been to see. Uh, I was disappointed to find out it was $10,000 for 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. It's unlikely I will ever see it. That's right. And there's actually never say never. There's five episodes. There's Powerball out there. I'm hoping to win one day. (laughs) (laughs) We'll hold you you to that. So yeah, there were five episodes of the Mike Douglas Show down there. Apparently, I'm looking at the um, uh, TV.com has a great uh, thing showing the episode numbers and everything. It was February 9th through the 13th. Uh, Anita Bryant co-hosted, and yeah, Robert Conrad. That was the first day actually with uh, Scatman Crothers. Uh, Annette Funicello was on that episode as well, yep. and, and throughout throughout the yes, week, yes, she was. I forgot about Annette. Yeah, and, and throughout the week, it's I mean, kind of hard to forget her when you're 24 years old. <laughs> but they had a, a tremendous number of of, uh, of of guests that week. Um, you know, looking at this, uh, you know, not only Annette, um, but Tommy Cole, Bobby Burris, and Cubby O'Brien, and Darlene were also there on Friday. But then you've got uh, Dean Jones, uh, Sam Sneed, the uh, professional golfer, astronaut Gordon Cooper, Phil Stiller made two appearances, uh, the Spinners were on there, uh, and comedian Pat Cooper. So, I mean, it, it was a star-studded, packed week. And, and as we've talked about in, in the past, you know, in today's world, you can tweet and see and Facebook all your, your favorite people. Uh, and, and those uh, famous stars you're following, but this was really a way to get uh, a lot of these people out there uh, into the mainstream. So, um, so how, how many of the episodes uh, were, were you on? Was it just that first one, or were you on through Just the one day. We, I never left the Polynesian. Gotcha. They did the others elsewhere in the kingdom. So if there's one that we have to get, then it sounds like it's episode 106, the one with Robert Conrad. That sounds like the... Uh, that the was, Holy Grail yeah, of, of, of Holy Grails. Surprised <laughs> that nobody at uh, Walt Disney World uh, has any videotape of that. that I don't remember yeah, seeing any other cameras. I mean, we're talking 1976. There's not a lot of nobody had a cell phone with a video. Yeah, it, you know, right. Cameras back then were the. My father had one, but it, uh, yeah, you just didn't see them. Yeah, I watched that week. <laughs> I remember distinctly watching the show, so I saw you guys. How, how? Well, they only had your Betamax going in seven. Actually, no, I on, know. I was ready. I was, I'm like, how old would I have been? Like, 76? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So I would have been, let's say I was born in 68. So that puts me at eight. Yeah. The show oh. either came on before I went to school or after I came home from school. And so I distinctly remember that. I remember Scatman Brothers. And I remember they put, I believe they put Mike Douglas on Space Mountain and had that, that rig where they would put the camera in the first car and shoot backwards. So they could actually film him on the ride. And I just remember thinking, like, that is the scariest looking ride in the world. <laughs> I believe Mike Douglas came on at 4 o'clock. My mother yeah, watched yeah. the I told her I was going to Then I home. definitely would have been home. Yeah. And what time did you guys, what time did they actually film you? Was it earlier in the day? I it, it was earlier. Uh, I think it was in the morning. I know it was it's cold as hell. Uh, I think it was, it was like, like uh, 9 or 10 o'clock in the morning. 
Uh, yeah. It wasn't five o'clock in the morning, but it was uh, before noon. It was, uh, but I got to tell you, I'd seen the machine. They told me what it was, and then when they asked me if I wanted to surf it, <laughs> what an op- what an opportunity! Um, so you said you started surf. Did you start surfing on the east coast of Florida? Is that where you got your experience? Right. I grew up. I grew up about thirty miles, forty miles north of Disney in a town of Sanford. And as a kid, we okay. went to Newsome on the beach, and we would yeah. go to the surfboards, and everybody else, you know, we'd get a bunch of people. And New Smyrna at the time was undeveloped, and we'd go there and spend the afternoon in a bonfire at night as kids, and then go oh. home. Uh, I didn't get a surfboard until my own until probably 1972, and I learned, you know, I did a lot more surfing then. I bought a used Hobie for ten dollars, and now it's worth a grand. How was <laughs> yeah. that? Pretty- Better than gold. Pat, how did Disney's boards compare? What were, what did they provide you at this era? They were they had Disney logos on. They were uh, no wider. kidding. They were fresh. I think they were custom made. I'm guessing, but they were wider, and thicker than a typical board because we were in fresh water and it's not as buoyant. Okay, and what were they the waves were, like? Early surfboards. We used them for water rescue. Okay, oh. what you're talking about. Right. Um, I was going to ask, are they like over six foot long? Uh, I'm guessing they were longer than six feet long because I could train a six foot board to keep me under above water. Uh, right. <laughs> and uh, well, I got a nine foot six board now. Uh, yeah. So they just they had to be more buoyant because the, the fresh water you would sink, and we were able to surf on those waves. Pat, can you run us through like what how it worked? Like, did they was it planned like each wave, or were they consistently coming out, or how did that work? And then like kind of describe. What, what were they like? How big? When did they break? That sort of thing, if you can. They were a couple feet tall. I'm not sure. I, I think they broke somewhere closer to these. But they weren't extremely tall. They weren't six foot. No. Uh, not in my mind. Uh, I'm 5'10", and nothing was over my head. Uh, we didn't have a timing. In other words, we didn't know they were going to send the wave. They just uh, kind of like the beach. It, a good wave happens when a good wave happens. I believe there were four of us there if memory serves me correctly. Okay. And did everybody, like, get up pretty easily, or weren't they, were they not very rideable? No, no, they were rideable. Uh, that was okay. part of the I couldn't figure out why we didn't do this more when we got done. Uh, <laughs> all of us were able to surf, so that was the bright spot. It wasn't somebody who'd never been surfing trying to get up on this. Uh, the boards were very buoyant, which made it easy or easier. Uh and then, and like, they, did they just did they just say like paddle out and just wait, and then somebody was out there on the island, like just flipped the switch and they just started coming. I never saw anybody on the island. I really don't know how the machine works. I'm listening to the yeah. the, uh yes speak, and this is all new to me. Uh-huh. Interesting. And then, did you just guys just ride like once, or did you like ride to shore and then like paddle back out? We rode a couple thing? of. We didn't go all the way. We rode a couple of. You know, uh, as soon as you can get in, if you quicker you can paddle back out, you get another one as long as they're going to do it. and we so didn't How long? Know, about 30 minutes or like an hour? Or? No, no, not that long. Probably 20 minutes. What? Interesting. Yeah, 25. I, I don't think I could have done that water for an hour. And the machine probably would have completely died after an hour. <laughs> we didn't have wet <laughs> to give the machine. We were in swim trunks. There was, there was no keep warm clothing. No wetsuits. Nothing. And that. And then as far as, like, the camera goes, were they just on shore or were they, like, waiting in the water or something? I'm pretty sure they were on shore. They had some that memory search. They had some decent cameras. I don't remember anybody in the water but us. Of course, we weren't the smart ones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I wish I had the footage to watch so I could see, like, you know, so re- you know play, play this back and see what you're talking about. Maybe, awesome. we can take, maybe we could take a collection. Yeah, we'll do a GoFundMe, Todd. How about that? <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a while. We can, you never know. You never know. But I, I feel blessed that uh, I left Disney on March 1, uh, joined the Florida Highway Patrol. And had they done this a month later, I wouldn't have had the opportunity. Uh, and I always saw it. They always told me what it was. But, you know, yeah, right. And to have to be able to see it, that was cool. To be able to surf it, that was even cooler. Who uh, who were the other three guys with you? Do we know who they were, guys? I, or no? I think Tom was one of them, but I do not remember the other. There were uh, there were a few more than that, actually. That 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 I remember because there were uh, uh, several from the Poly, and uh, and there were some that came over from the Contemporary of lifeguards. Several of the lifeguards, 
and uh, and they had a bunch of us. Do you remember they they filmed us running on the beach out, you know, with our boards and and hitting the water and paddling out. And they would they used that segment on uh, going to and from commercials most of that day was the 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 group running out to the water, running from the beach out to the water. But uh, at, you know, of course, you know, we're talking almost forty years ago or about you know. So, but it seemed to me like there were maybe more like eight of us all together. There could have so been. That, so we might be able to find that clip if it was used uh, multiple times. I know Tom Hinson was, was one uh, that I think he was going to try to join, and Kathy couldn't be here tonight, but she said, ah, yes, the wave machine. She got. She says she got to try it out after installation fun day because I think she, she worked there very, very early on. Um, yeah. We'll have to give her a call at some point. He's well, and, and one of the things I remember, uh, Pat, do you remember the, the, the noise that machine made when it would – create these three waves, it would go bang, bang, bang. It would make this real loud noise as it was pulling this water and as the paddle was being actuated, and it was these this hydraulic. And it just sounded like the machine itself was going uh, to explode, and that was your cue, well, here come the waves, you know. But as far as the, uh, the timing between waves, they cranked them out pretty quickly. That's nuts. Did you guys remember, was there, like, any crowd forming on the beach during this time? Like, I'm just curious if there was, like, a number of guests that saw this, like, once-in-a-lifetime view, or... There were a few guests that that, that showed up just because the film crew was there, and there was, there was curiosity for that. I don't think they realized, you know, what was going on with the, uh, with the wave machine itself. Did you see any of them having an 8-millimeter camera in their hand, by chance? We <laughs> were. <laughs> <laughs> We want that film. The but, um, my has prohibited me from seeing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know one one place you might check um, because at the time, Tim, a gentleman named Tim Kelly was running the uh, ride and show engineering group at Walt Disney World in the shops area, and we used his group and a couple of divers to do some underwater investigation of the machine and also the shoal and everything, they may have some film footage in there, in that group archive somewhere. Tim is no longer there, of course, but um, it might be a place to look. They're willing to share it. We're willing to look at it. <laughs> we'll have to dig. That would be cool. Well, it certainly sounds like you guys had a, had a great time with it. I mean, man, it's just, you know, there's, there's this lore and legend with, with the wave machine and every year we seem to uncover a little bit more as, as the world gets a little smaller and we we're able to, uh, you know, find people such as yourselves and, and, and talk to you and, and try to put, put, put all these uh, puzzles together. And I'm, I'm certainly telling you, if we, if we find anything on the Mike Douglas show, you guys will be the first to know, because I, I want you guys to be able to see, and may, maybe we'll start that collection. We'll see how much, uh, <laughs> how, how much we can collect. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Now remember, we only have thirty seconds at ten thousand dollars. So, right. That's all the pricey per second. Yeah, I, I think Brian, correct me if I'm wrong. I said some of the prices just just getting somebody to do it. I mean, it's, there's man hours of tape, and who knows what the quality of that tape is. Too. They they said they do not license full episodes. They have no staff available to service requests such as these. That's literally their words. What would it take to get Disney to? Ask them to play an episode on the Disney Channel, right? They probably, they probably have to buy CBS. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> or at least the uh, ABC. At least the rights to the legacy of the Group W Productions, which is how they ended up with this. So it's amazing how much Americana television is probably going to be lost to this type of stuff too. It's amazing what's considered good reruns and what's pick and choose, uh, what's popular. So. I actually saw them operate it more than once. Okay, they, uh, good. They, uh, the, I, I was in the water with Pat at the Mike Douglas show, but they had uh, done a few trial runs and they had done a few modifications at different times, and they would crank it up, rarely run it for more than uh, 20 or 30 minutes. But it was kind of a big deal because uh, as the uh, we were the marina operators at the Polynesian, and... Uh, we had to keep the uh, boats that we rented out of that area. So 
uh, you know, they had a marine security. Uh, they had a big uh, cruiser boat and and forty-one foot strike. Yeah, with uh, I mean, Wayne Mitchell was the uh, was the head of marine security, and they uh, they would have marine security out, and and then uh, the Polynesian uh, recreation host would send a couple of guys out in Boston whalers to keep the rental boats out of the area where the waves were coming through. And so, you know, we would have to provide a little extra security to keep the rental boats out of that area, uh, you know, and patrol that area for time. But it was uh, it always seemed to be a major undertaking. There would be, you know, a large group of Disney executives and uh, uh, huddling on the beach, and next thing you know, they would crank that wave machine, and you'd hear it doing that bang, 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 and then the waves would come out. But it didn't happen often. I saw it happen, I think, twice, uh, other than the time when during the uh, the Mike Douglas show time. You know what I paid to see? I, I paid to see a bob around boat getting whacked by one of those waves and just watch them try to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> try. Right. Well, and I, and I also I, I don't think I ever saw a wave out of that machine over three foot. Yeah, they, they yeah. might have been three footers. That was nice. Did you ever see a bob around boat? Yeah, did yeah. you rent the bob around boats? And, and did you drive one? Because that's another kind of, uh, you know, legend, and there's so few photos of it. We saw, uh, how, where was it? We saw one the other day. The, the bob around made it all the way to the entrance of the Magic Kingdom. I, I can't imagine not breaking down, or, or it must have taken a while yeah. <laughs> to get there. Well, what, what, can you, uh, what can you tell us about the bob around? At, uh, at the Polynesian, when I was there, we didn't rent the bob arounds. We rented what, uh, a little speedboat called Aqualark, and it, uh, Aqualark. it had a uh, Mercury gas-powered Mercury outboard motor on it, about a, a nine-horsepower, something like that. And they were pretty quick little boats. We rented those. We rented uh, some sailboats like Pat mentioned earlier. We, we had a couple of Hobie Cats. We had a couple of Sunfish uh, sailboats and, a, and some sloops. And we would rent those boats, uh, but the Aqualarks were the most popular thing. They were uh, maximum two-person little speed boats. Were the outrigger canoes gone by then? I'm sorry? Say it again? I was going to say, were the outrigger canoes gone by that? Because I know at one point they had rented some outriggers. And actually the they like had the outrigger canoes, but they didn't rent them. They And they okay. no longer, at, you know, uh, at one point uh, early on, when they did the Luau show at the Polynesian, uh, they when they first started that, they had a, uh, a bunch of the Polynesian uh, entertainers paddle those outriggers up onto the beach over by the Luau stage, and that was they opened the show by paddling these you know uh, outrigger canoes in, and then at one at one time they had a, I remember a competition that was a, a race kind of like uh, what. Uh, wasn't there a canoe race over in the Magic Kingdom at one time? Yes, I did. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, they we did a thing with the outriggers, too, over at Polynesian one time, you know, but uh, they didn't rent them out, they just, but they just kind of had them there almost like a decoration. Pat, did you see any bob yeah. arounds or no? No, just the Aqualark. We didn't have uh, those. That's probably the boat they're talking about. You would have, Even if you rented one from another hotel, you'd have never gotten it. It, it would have been a hike. Uh, but the little yellow aqualarks were on a good day. They were everywhere. We had a number of them. They were fast around. little boats. Uh, a full-time gig. Those probably were much faster than the uh, the water sprites that took over the jobs a number of years later. And now the, the sea racers are obviously very much toned down. I was in one a couple of months back in September. I was like, come on, let's get going. Let's move, move. <laughs> no, these, were, these, were, <laughs> these were pretty good little boats. And I mean, if you put 400 pounds in it, it didn't go so fast. But if you put 140, 50 pounds, you know, two younger people, mm-hmm. they were they were fun. So did you they, have to do a lot of patrolling to keep them out of the path of the ferry boats and stuff? No, they would get right in the path of the ferry boats. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing there weren't more uh, collisions. Actually, they they the uh, operators. We as uh, as as the uh, recreation hosts, as the uh, you know, we would show them how to put the how to put the uh, engine in gear, forward, reverse, 
uh, neutral and and how to speed it up. And and that was it. You put them in the boat. They had a life jacket on. You sent them out. And I don't even think they had a uh, kill switch on them that, you know, you would connect your life vest like you have now on a train. Right, right, right. Oh, my gosh. And and we would just send these people out. You had to be, I think, 12 years old minimum to to rent them with parents' permission. But uh, we had very young kids out there. And think, I, it's kind of amazing uh, that we didn't have more problems than we had. Just um, remember so you run them by, like, half hours? Yes, it was. We we did a half hour rental. It was six dollars for thirty minutes, and, which was just a phenomenal bunch of money. That was that was a lot of money back then. And uh, was told I was told they were at the time one of the most profitable items that Disney had. One of the profit, you know, one of the most profitable attractions that Disney had were these aqualarks because at the Polynesian there were probably twenty five to thirty of them at a time, and on a decent day when the weather was fair, they were out all day long. Wow. And then the, the contemporary had uh, a larger marina than we had at the Polynesian, and, they, uh, and the Fort Wilderness campground rented them as well. So, so secretly underground, they were called an F-ticket attraction, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking back. We used to go. They let us come in early. We rented a ski boat with a driver. And we start. If I remember correctly, we started at nine o'clock. But Disney let us come in early and go water skiing with their stuff when the water was like glass. Yeah. And we go out there and ski for an hour, hour and a half, and then come in and go to work. And what we had done was planted the seed for the guest in the hotel, knowing there was water skiing. Right. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, and no, I didn't where, getting out of it. I got free water skiing. Their skis, their boat, their gas. Where'd you ski at? In front of the Polynesian, or did you go elsewhere? Yeah, right there in right there in Seven Seas Lagoon. And what we uh, were you slalom, or were you on two skis? Yes, both. Which one? I'm sorry. Slalom is by accident. Sometimes it's intentional. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. What what type of ski boats did they have back then? Uh, I think it was a Mastercraft, wasn't it, Chuck? I it was Mastercraft or Ski Nautique. Ski Nautique is what I had was what I had on my tongue. That was the. Uh, I was thinking yeah. it was Pinotique. Crazy. Oh, yeah. That's not, they, they now, they're, now they're Mastercraft. Yeah. I mean, there's Very no downside. Cool. <laughs> but, uh, and they were they were top-of-the-line boats. They had top-of-the-line stuff, and they would fly. It would fly. And that was always one of the lifeguard uh, primo jobs was being the ski boat driver because when we rented the ski boat to guests, it came equipped with a driver. They didn't allow the guests to drive the ski boat. So you know, one of us. But yep. Oh, I'm sure area. not. That's yeah. Those that's like a missile <laughs> given to a guest. Yeah. There. What the, we uh, What was the rate? Over. We would take the uh, guests over to Bay Lake because you had a lot more room there, and you could get them out where uh, you didn't have near the boat traffic because we had the uh, uh, transports over to uh, Magic Kingdom, the ferries over to Magic Kingdom, as well as all the other stuff out there. You know. So we now, did you guys when you. Did you guys do any of the ski boat stuff with the, uh, like, you'd see the character skiing? Or who who managed that? Like, said, hey, we need a Mastercraft or a Skeenatique for Pinocchio to go skiing. What what happened? They had their own equipment. The, the characters had their own boat that they kept over at the dry dock and uh, uh, on Bay Lake. And they would just show up in, you know, in character and ski and ski and ski. And then they could dock and come in uh, to the uh, the employee break area, you know, and, uh, t- you know, take a break if they needed to. But those <laughs> those guys were nuts. But, you know, we, you know Donald Duck and uh, Goofy were, and Pluto were were regulars over at the, at the Poly. What was the, the frequency of that? Like, how often would you see that on a regular week? Uh, typically a couple times a week. They would, they would come by a couple times a week, and, you know, because the same guys – the same guys that did the characters uh, did characters in the Magic Kingdom or in the hotels or, you know, uh, did appearances elsewhere. So that was just part of their gig. But uh, these were guys that were, you know, uh, had been trained or had experience as a water ski person, you know. That's great. I just imagine that now, like, Goofy just parks, drives off, and walks to Main Street. It would just never happen now. <laughs> no, no. 
but they would they they would uh they would come right up on the beach at the Polynesian and uh, uh dock the boat the skiers you know would uh have the ski boat bring them by close and they'd actually just come land right at the beach and uh, uh and then they and the kids would come up and swarm them you know that's before the lawyers got a hold of them yeah no doubt <laughs> very cool but we had some great times <laughs> i got to tell you great times yeah, but it was a, it was a good time to be a cast member and to be in recreation. You got you guys you know uh, can't imagine we were our our costume was a bathing suit <laughs> and a white washer <laughs> and and a sun visor. You know, if we needed a place to put a name tag because everybody had to wear a name tag, you wore a sun visor and you put your name tag in the center of your sun visor. And we had a white I, I, polo shirt. And we had a white polo shirt if we were really wanting to dress up. But we wore a, 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 a red bathing suit, Laguna bathing suit. And uh, that was our uniform. Our, I was waiting for you to say we just... The, uh, go ahead, Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I was just waiting for them to say they just had to pin it to their chest. That's what... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I've seen pictures the, of the... Uh, of the contemporary uh, hotel white polo with the big red contemporary logo on the over the uh, over the one chest uh, piece. Oh, right. Did you, let, uh, was it the? Yeah. Was it the same with the Polynesian with the Polynesian logo in like green or something? It was. Over there? It was a white. Yeah, it was a white polo shirt with the the Polynesian logo on the on the left uh, on the left grass. Cool. I yeah. read. I saw an old diagram of the layout, and it looked like there used to be a. a like storage for the sails, like in the back part of the uh, uh, of the outrigger um, uh, building over by sort of like Captain Cooks and stuff. Does that it was? Do you remember having? Yeah, <laughs> we had an office there that we that was called Catamaran Corner. Was the uh, uh, was the name on the door? Catamaran Corner was the office, and then there was a storage room just behind it, which had. Uh, uh, the uh, the sails and it had uh, life jackets for the ski boats and so on. Water uh, skis. Uh, yeah, yeah, it had water skis and stuff back there. Is where we stored things. Oh, all right. So see, I mean, this this is this is all coming together. <laughs> this is the desperation rap. It's like we're finding and plans it, in the library <laughs> of the layouts and trying to figure out. Right, and it was just down the hallway from if you uh, gosh I, if you were walking towards the lobby. Uh, from Catamaran Corner, which was just inside the doors off of the uh, the, the dock, the marina, uh, you would walk towards Captain Cook's Hideaway, and then there yep. was uh, there was a what they called a nursery, which was a, a babysitting uh, facility <laughs> that was on the hallway just past Catamaran Corner, and then you got to the uh, men's clothing store and women's clothing store, and then Captain Cook's Hideaway. And you hang a right, they take you over to the lobby. So, did you guys? Uh, so, Captain Cooks is kind of legendary as a as a hangout place, like after hours or after shift for people that worked at the Polynesian. Did Did you partake in the Captain Cooks? Absolutely, <laughs> it was a great place. <laughs> I had my first dark Heineken there. Excellent. <laughs> well, and, and there was a. There were uh, uh, there was an uh, entertainment act called Saltwater Express. I think it was. It was these two guys. That is that, uh, that is them. Yes. Yeah, and they were fabulous and they were hilarious. And I, you know, I over time had gotten to know them personally because I was kind of a regular there. We would, you know, I worked uh, I worked <clears throat> evening shifts a lot, and then would go to Kathy Cook's after I got off. Before I went home, went back to you know, back to the house, and, uh, and I remember the two guys from Saltwater Express, and they were uh, very talented and 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 very comical, very good. Uh, since Hal brought up the layout and things that are in the Polynesian, he was just last week on a quest to determine the location of the barber shop that used to be there. <laughs> yeah, I got uh, yeah. Well, the barber shop was. Uh, there was a hallway parallel to the one that ran from the Catamaran Corner to uh, Captain Cook's, and it also came down from the lobby and went past the uh, the uh, employee cafeteria. And when you went 
straight down to the end of that hallway, it, it uh, uh, had exit doors outside, and just to the left was the barber shop, and then there was also a women's uh, beauty salon that that were. Okay. And they they stepped out basically overlooking the uh, end of the the dock. The, where the boats were, you know, where the marina was. See, Brian, I was right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I knew they did an expansion to the to sort of the back of house, and that seemed to be the only logical place that that, that the beauty parlor and the barber shop would have been was back out there. So it's weird. They're they're just like sort of these random offices now that I don't ever see anybody ever come in and out well, of. But. And uh, after you pass the uh, after you pass the beauty salon, uh, then you got you hung a left and you went up to uh, wardrobe. That was where the uh, off mm. area was. You hung a left and went up to wardrobe and then went up to locker rooms where you changed. So, um, so Captain Cooks, I I think what we what we think we know is that it started out as being indoors only and quite small, uh, with the bar in the back and then some seats. But it looked like it expanded on onto the patio at some point. Is that true? Not in my time. <laughs> okay. It was just indoors. And no, it I was right. very small. It, I don't think it had a capacity of maybe uh, 40 people. And that's that bar and table. Yeah. So, um, yeah. That's, so where were they? Uh, so in relation to the bar, where was the stage that Saltwater Express would perform on? Uh, all right. This is, you know, this is memory from a long time ago. But the... Uh, sure, uh, sure. Yeah, you're going <laughs> to... As you entered, as I recall, you know, when you entered Cafe Cooks, uh, the bar was actually immediately on your right, and yep. uh, and the stage was to the left in the in the back okay. corner. Yeah, yeah. And so Very you know, good. you can go. In. I'm sorry. Very good. You are correct. Yeah. Oh, I spent a few evenings in there. <laughs> <laughs> It, it, had, it was a fun place. The guys were really good. Two of my one roommates of still in Orlando. We went there usually after work. That was where we we went to get out of the sun. Right. I wish Charlie Jernigan had gotten on his phone call. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think I'm, you know, I'm out of questions now. Okay. <laughs> well, when you get on the uh, when you get on to the other Polynesian topics, you know there were other things that uh, that were kind of memorable. Like when they had the uh, golf tournament, and a lot of the golfers stayed at the Polynesian. There were, you know, pretty wild things, and and of course, I'm sure you guys know all about the John Lennon visit. That was during the time yep. frame when I was. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We apparently he was smitten with the monorails too. He loved riding in the front. Is what we heard. Yeah. Well, and uh, and legend has it that that uh, that that John Lennon signed the papers that officially. Uh, Ended dissolved the Beatles when he was at the Polynesian. Yeah, yeah, which is which is interesting. We just have to figure out what room it was. Right. Uh, <laughs> I could almost take you there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we figured it was probably in one of the club level rooms, uh, you know, in Bally High. But which one exactly, of course, is the uh, the killer question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I. Uh, I don't know how to get a hold of them, but I remember we had a uh, one of our assistant supervisors uh, from the front desk that actually had to take him uh, notes a couple of times. Calls had come in for him, and he had to take him uh, take him notes, and actually got to meet him, speak to him, and uh, <clears throat> he he would know exactly what room it was. I just don't know if I can get a hold of him. Well, that would be something. Yeah. Huh? Who is this friend of yours? Uh, well, it, he was. His name was. Uh, uh, his name was Git Darby. D A R B Y was his last name, and I, I, I think the, the, his first name was Git G I T, but I think that was a nickname. All right. Well, and something. He, yeah, and he uh, he was the one that told me, which he wasn't supposed to tell, but that John Lennon was there, and and you know, kind of pointed out, you know, where he was and where he was staying. That's crazy. fantastic. All right, who, so who, who's who's going to go and, and you know, tro- try to troll the guy? We'll see if we can find him on Facebook, I guess. Well, Bill, Pat, Chuck, I really appreciate your time coming on the show tonight. I mean, there's been a lot of 
great, really cool information shared with us, and I know we'll all be on the lookout for the uh, Mike Douglas show. If you ever see it, just hit record on your DVR, no matter what. Anybody out there. <laughs> but uh, no, thanks a lot for coming on the show. We really appreciate your time and your insight, and uh, I know there's a handful of others that you know you might run into over the years that work at the Polony or surrounding areas. Uh, hopefully, if you enjoyed your time here, maybe you can send them uh, our way so that we can uh, get some of their stories. So thanks a lot for joining us. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll let you know when the episode's uh, out there and ready to listen to. Thank you. Okay, very good. Awesome. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you, bud. See you, Pat. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Well, thanks for listening to this edition of the Retro Disney World Podcast. As always, we appreciate your feedback. Feel free to reach us at podcast at retrowdw.com. And with that, Brian, take us out. Follow Todd McCartney and Retro WDW on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Retro WDW. For all things Retro Disney World, including exclusive merchandise, visit us on the web at RetroWDW.com. On Twitter, follow our web designer, Jason Bartell of Deepwater Studios, at JasonDWS. Our announcer, Andre Gardner, at Andre Gardner. And follow our hosts, Hal Bowers, on Twitter and Instagram, at GoAwayGreen and on the web at kingdomofmemories.com. For J.T. Couser on Twitter, at LS1JT, on YouTube at Rubber City Motoring, and on the web at rubbercitymotoring.com. And you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at Brian P. Miles.